0: Oh, Hello everybody, Brian here from Franchise Radio Show, Franchise Symphony, delighted to have you along today. I'm actually really, really glowing because I've got someone that anybody that employs people, right, need to pin your ears back because what we've got here is something really of great interest and uh, Neil Farley is the man that uh, we're introducing to you today and uh, he and his team really quite specialised. You'll hear lots of people talking about recruitment, you know, and they do it better and we do it better. That's not what Neil does. Neil's got a proven and legal sort of compliant, I suppose, solution for workforce engagement, for employing people, and particularly contractors, and particularly where businesses don't rely on all the normal traditional employment methods. And I'd love to scratch my head and say, I can't think of a business that probably doesn't employ people other than, you know, in other than traditional employment methods. So and nowhere more particular than in franchising, I think, where you have to be on your toes and you need to be efficient and effective in your employment of. Of labor, your teams, your staff, and so on. So what um, these t- solutions that uh, Neil will be introducing to you, he calls the modern workforce strategies. And, and basically, what they do is provide managers and owners with different options to work their way through and navigate through the complexities of business today. And particularly, as you've seen more and more in 2023, when I'm talking through this topic now, with regards to, you know, government constraints and so forth, um, industrial relations is a hot topic and becoming more and more relevant and I think it's going to be more and more pressure on it as the economies go up and down so the relevance changes so basically modern workforce strategy focuses on ethically and lawfully i have stress those mitigating the obstacles in industrial relations and particularly some of the constraints that are being imposed and even more that are muted to be imposed around the current time with regards to various workplace awards don't get me wrong I was told by my dear dear mother never when you engage in conversation talk about sex marriage and politics and I will avoid that but no doubt about it across the whole political spectrum wherever you go it seems to be a sweet spot these days that bureaucrats love digging deeper and imposing more heavily constraints and fines and so on so for anyone in business it's an area you have to be on top of because it's just so coningly expensive to find you've even unconsciously made it a slip so the strategies also emphasize the uh, the importance of maintaining or regaining, in many cases, that sort of flexibility you need to run a business efficiently and get some decent goals. And productivity is a key word, of course. We hear it thrown around, particularly when you get permissions and inquiries, but you don't see it being implemented. So this is an opportunity. So Neil, with his team, basically he's a collaborator. He collaborates with businesses to make sure that those key lawful and compliant engagements of people from independent contractors to developing strategies that allow businesses to offer. And this is another key, offer higher compensation to workers while saving costs. Now, that is, to me, a bit of a a magic silver bullet to overcome a lot of problems. So these savings, interestingly, we'll dig deeper, but they're validated through the input of client-provided data into their, what Neil terms his cost of employment calculator, which shows the staggering and revealing true cost of employment. Uh, Neil's got over fifteen years' of experience in this particular field and honed uh, with his team some really quite interesting proprietary framework for non-employment-based solutions, um, allowing employers to have a ta- tailored strategy. I hope I haven't tied you up in knots describing all that, but I think it does warrant a bit of indulgence. Neil, hello there, and how are you? I'm good, um, Brian.
1: One quick correction:
0: you pronounce yeah. my surname fairly. Oh, I beg your pardon. That's I'm fine. Sorry, I was. I, that's a baby food, isn't it? Farley? Farley's Biscuits? Sorry about that.
1: That's <laughs> <No>,
0: <laughs> Freudian Slip, uh, thank you for the correction. I'll make sure that... Uh it's correct when we come to our uh, our written word. So I've got a few questions for you, some, some obvious ones. I'm sure you can add to these. Uh, so let's see how we go. So in, in getting started, as I generally say to everybody that's listening, make sure you've got a pen and paper or a pencil or a recorder or something there. If not, be prepared to go back through this again, because I know if you're an employer, you're going to have things in here you need to highlight and to research. So we'll tell you how to get in touch with Neil fairly later on. So tell me, interested to know, how did you get into this particular area of business, Neil? Brian, it started back in 2004. I
1: was working uh, with a company on business strategy and there was an ATO GST investigation going on because that particular business was in the building and construction industry and there was a lot of confusion around uh, GST and the day the investigator left the premises, he actually said to the managing director, "Uh, Richard, these people that you have in your business that are engaged as contractors, should really be employees, and I think you should do something about it. And that in itself, that statement, when Richard repeated it to me, set me on a journey, what turned into be, uh, in fact, an odyssey. And for a period of about six years, um, whilst I was working on the strategic elements of consultancy, I began to research and understand a great deal about confusion that is actually out there in the independent contractor marketplace. And after six six years, it had developed to a point where it became my full-time occupation. And since 2010, I've done nothing but uh, work in the uh, space where we look for um, what I would call modern workforce strategies. So that's how I've gotten here, Brian.
0: Well, that's interesting. Having a background myself in the construction industry as a as, as a as a registered builder, and all those problems were one of the reasons I moved on. I did contribute to it. But there are many sectors out there. Business that have similar sorts of issues, they were probably more transparent in the building industry and maybe of a larger scale. But I suppose when we talk about let's call them workforce problems and issues, what are the main ones that you talk to people in business about today, Neil?
1: The best way to describe that, Brian, would be to go over some of the um, things that we're currently working on today, um, because that will provide um, insight over a variety of problems. And of course, um, you know, we work in many sectors, but generally, In the contractor compliance space, um, there are many myths surrounding um, what an ABN is, an Australian business number. It's not a business license. It's purely a communications device. And a lot of people don't understand what their liabilities are. Let me example that in a very, very simple way within the allied healthcare sector. Um, I'm currently working with a, a business which is 27 years young. And during that period of time, it has had a mix of employees and contractors. The contractors are generally the service providers. And during that period of time, um, these individuals have worked consistently with this business over many years, and they're ABN sole traders, and none of them have um, had superannuation paid during that period of time. And that's a problem in many cases for labour-based contractual arrangements. There are some where um, superannuation is not payable. But in the case of this business, what we're trying to do is... restructure the business compliantly so that uh, it can go forward. Um, Unfortunately, uh, there's nothing we can do about a past liability, but they certainly need to be restructured because the manner in which they're engaging their contractors is simply not compliant. So that's just one of the challenges that um, I'm uh, having to meet on a pretty regular basis. Another area that's come to fore is that the government legislation recently introduced restricting the use of fixed-term employment contracts is creating some angst with businesses that have highs and lows in their revenue. For example, in the um, mining maintenance area. Now, what happens is that they engage individuals for a specific project that might be six or even 12 months. And under the the changes that are coming into effect on the 6th of December this year, um, there are serious limitations put on how individuals can be engaged on a continuum of these employment contracts. So the challenge is to find a way for those businesses to maintain their business operation, um, both uh, driven by productivity and those highs and lows in revenue, where the tenure of the people that are providing the services um, is not constricted to either two years or two consecutive um, contracts. Um, It has the ability, frankly, to destroy um, a business model. Um, So we're working with them uh, in a, a framework that we call managed contracting, where those issues disappear. I might add that everything that we do in this regard is based on fairness. We also have quite an interesting challenge where some businesses have come to us via referral where they're under extreme pressure to pay people more money and they just don't have the ability to do that in the current climate. So there is a way that uh, we can look at uh, redeployment of people uh, again into the managed contractor model where we can actually show based on the data that people provide us that a managed contractor can be paid more money and the business will save money in that process. Not smoke and mirrors, all the data is provided by the um, um, the client. So they own the end result, um, not us. So it means a very objective decision could be made by management to make an offer to employees to um, look at another way to be engaged. I will stress they can't force people to do that. They um, have to agree and they have to see the benefits. So again, it's ethically driven. Another challenge that we're dealing with at the moment is a transport operation. Uh, where they have um, quite some issues that emanate from the award and what they're trying to do is look at how they improve the the productivity and the efficiency of their operation and we're having some quite in-depth discussions with them about how they might just reshape things frankly at very little cost um, to um, provide those efficiency and some significant benefits which are mutual in terms of um, improved productivity. So they're they're, uh, examples of the things that come across our desks here uh, on a regular basis, Brian?
0: While you're talking, I, I'm thinking it's like quicksand. This I've had 20-odd businesses, you know, in freight, building swimming pools, building construction, small and large, commercial and, and residential, and retail, cross-food, etc., etc. And I can't think of anywhere that I haven't at one stage in that sector employed people on a casual or contract basis. And we all know that the ATO, ATO for example, for some years now has been honing in on their side of the fence. But we're looking at another story, aren't we? And uh, when we think about as well about legislation, not just for general employment, but people like the ACCC focusing on the franchise sector and making franchisors to a degree responsible for how their franchisees pay their employees, we're going deeper and deeper down into these rabbit holes. So I suppose my point is, rather than saying what sectors does this apply to, Neil, are there any sectors you think it doesn't apply? Um, <laughs> there have been sectors
1: that I've been into, uh, and one would be probably um, within the NDIS, where businesses are looking for um, some more operational freedoms. But unfortunately, the structure, the financial structure of NDIS payments, makes it extremely difficult to look at a solution which would retain for a business a regional reasonable margin. It can certainly um, increase the benefit to the service providers, um, but it's a very, very tight uh, financial structure. And mm. and in some cases, you know, we have to uh, admit that what we do may not suit those particular operations. So that's one sector that I've explored in depth mm. um, and right at this particular point in time, uh, while we have solutions from a financial point of view, they may not be um, uh, appropriate. So other than that, oh, goodness me, we've worked across so many sectors in 15 or more years, um, anywhere from, you know, food Manufacturing through to um, Allied Healthcare, as I said, um, the engineering, SAP, some the areas AP, of the building construction industry. So mm-hmm. you know, we're very diverse. Um, mm-hmm. I might have we don't have a solution for everything, but uh, one of the things that we do do is explore with a business what their options might be.
0: Now, what I found really interesting when I spoke to you before was the financial benefit to people who or employers using this particular sort of managed contracting model. Could you expand on that a little bit? How can you? or How do you illustrate The fact that there is a financial benefit for them, Neil, because that's obviously what people are interested in. We're all looking at the bottom line. Brian, yeah, that's a good question. The first thing
1: that we do is that, um, you know, we stress that everything we talk about is confidential and there has to be honesty. You know, we need to understand how a business actually operates um, because in some cases, how they're actually doing things can be um, counterproductive. So once we understand that, um, we have a number of options that we might consider putting forward. Let me example that. If they're working in an area where it's highly legislated from the point of view of an award, um, it may be feasible that we can put forward an option where uh, any arrangements that we create for them steps outside of the award. Now, I stress that's ethical. Um, It's not designed in any way to be unfair to the individual. It's about arriving at a solution which gives them operational flexibility. And because some awards are very, very difficult to adhere to. Mm. Um, and, and, some, and in some cases, um, meeting that ad- adherence from uh, an operational perspective can slow a business down considerably. So what we do is work very closely with our business to understand the problems. And then we might look at several solutions that we put forward. Um, so it then comes back to financial planning to look at viability and put it all on the table. So it's totally transparent. These are the options. Um, make your choice and And if you take option A, um, then this is the financial result, or option B, this is the financial result. We spend a lot of time with spreadsheets and calculators, let me tell you, Brian, because at the end of the day, um, a business wants to know what the benefit is. And sometimes the benefit from an operational flexibility point of view um, can't be actually shown on a spreadsheet. Um, It might be shown on the factory floor, so to speak. Mm, um, But it's a matter of understanding and working collaboratively with management right I get
0: you so I might just mention for those of you listening who are not within Australia that NDIS was a reference that Neil made there to what's called the National Disability Insurance Scheme it's an Australian scheme there may be similar ones around the world um, where the federal government comes stumps up with quite a large sum of money to support people who've suffered accidents or whatever and can't recover necessarily the sort of benefits for maintaining health and uh, and, and life and so forth so that's just to give you a point on that so I suppose really what you're talking about, am I right? You're saying from what you described, you're actually saying, look, you don't have to stick within the award. You can step outside it mm-hmm. using is, protect particular mechanisms. Is, is, um, really-
1: yeah, look, that's correct, Brian. Um, you know, look, it's something that is important to businesses that do have a lot of complexity in the award structure. Um, and again, it, it's not about disadvantaging anybody. It's about looking at that structure and saying, okay, if you change this particular point to this outcome um, is that a result that would enable you to achieve more Um, and if the answer is yes then you can review the fairness of that to make sure that there's no disadvantage to an individual that it it, it affects both of them and that is a positive outcome. You know look we've had people come to us over the years where you know that notion of moving outside the the award has not been driven by um, something that's uh, a need for the greater good
0: and <laughs> very subtle.
1: <laughs> and we've not um, engaged or involved ourselves. Um, you know, there has to be a rationale that is mutually beneficial in anything that we do in building a different and modern workforce strategy. Look,
0: and with business today, community, everybody as a whole is much more aware of their rights and so forth. And the, and the whole attitude to, you know, to teamwork, to to efficacy, to, I suppose, to that whole area of trust and so forth, it's very, very different. It's It's interesting. You say that principle of people trying to step outside the award with perhaps questionable motivation. It's a bit the same as you see in franchising where we get people, you know, um, really insisting that they want to be a licensed not a franchise because they can keep life simple. They don't realise actually they're stepping again into, into a rising tide where they're going to end up with water around their necks if they're not careful. But uh, not, not the greatest analogy, but let's move on from there. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be on the pulpit here sharing my philosophies, but if, if I suppose... If a business, you know, one of our listeners says they can understand the benefit of looking at doing things differently, and I can understand that, um, how does this all work? You've been giving us bits and pieces. Can we add a bit more to the jigsaw just to give a bit of clarity on this, Neil? Yes, look, I,
1: I'd have to go back quite a number of years um, to a question that was driven out of our office in Melbourne way back then. A particular organization in the um, broking business, insurance broking, um, weren't growing very radically and they were having. Having pressure from people wanting more money and they asked the team in Melbourne was there a way that they could look at a different form of engagement and from that form of engagement pay the people more. The byproduct of actually working through that was that we could demonstrate that by moving accruals off their balance sheet and various other things that were part of the process they could in fact increase the payment to these people and it did save the money um, sorry it did save the business money and we did that at that particular stage with some spreadsheets which I might add were under Understandable, but very clunky. And then some years later, about six or seven years ago, once we had um, uh, sort of put that to rest, I was asked that same question by a fairly substantial organisation that had a similar problem, very slow growth. And as a result of that, we uh, revisited some of those spreadsheets and we didn't actually improve them a great deal. But I, at that time, seven or eight years ago, I had to borrow a boardroom and the fellow who actually owned that boardroom, so to speak, wanted to sit in and listen to what our discussion was about and i didn't mind that at all and neither did the client um we put that proposition forward and then uh, again we um we bank all of that And then about 18 months ago That same individual Who had um, loaned us the boardroom Gave me a call and he said I'm perceiving that With what's happening in the economy And what's happening with various things With new legislation You know that idea you had About the um, cost of employment um, I'd like to revisit that So that sent us on another journey And we built our cost of employment calculator Now it took a real deep dive Into employment costs In the help of an industrial mathematician The help of an accountant also an IRHR paralegal, to build um, now uh, what is a very, very efficient um, cost of employment calculator. Now, we use that um, to actually work with the client and seek information from them, which we can transport in very little time straight into calculator. And we can say, based on your data, have a look at the bottom line. This is what it really costs to employ that person. And generally, it is about um, where you lose productivity, where you're actually paying someone to not produce anything. Now, that can be in a multi-function of various roles. But with the the data, now that we have been able to put forward, I have, I can't think how many managing directors have, have worked through with me and, or accountants. And not one, at the end of the day, has ever disagreed. I worked with an engineer and he had a massive amount of spreadsheets that he pulled out once we'd gone through our exercise. And he said, you know, there's about 1% difference between my costings and your costing. He said, this is a much simpler way of putting it forward. So if we're looking at the cost of employment and we're saying, okay, there is an option, it's best to be able to validate that first off. And that's what we can do. And that can be across full-time employment, um, casual or permanent part-time. It's quite interesting to actually explore all of those um, options because you can then can put data together that the company and their accountants generally can look at and say, yes, I really get that. There are better options. So that's a pretty long-winded explanation, Brian, but that's how it works. And it makes uh, sense.
0: But, I mean, I, I don't think many people would be within 1%. I mean, how how many people really know what it costs to employ people under the different methods or models of employment, as you just mentioned? It's quite significant. It's an eye-opener, isn't it? So if yeah. someone would like to, I suppose, go through this, let's call it your employment calculator sort of thing you talk about, how can they do that?
1: Well, Brian, if they, if they want to go through it, I mean, I don't have an issue with... Um, devoting time because it doesn't take long to do. What we do though um, is outline the information that we need. And that throws it back on you know that business to actually come up with the information. Once we have that, we can import it very quickly into the calculator. And like we're doing now on Zoom or Webex, um, if they're remote, we can um, sit together face to face and run through it. And they can immediately see two things. First of all, what the real cost of employing an individual is. And secondly, is there any benefit at all in looking at uh, an alternative so it's as simple as understanding we need data it's it's provided in confidence and we work on that and um, they you know we can give them a report you know if if they so need it's a question really of what is the need behind wanting to go through the calculator you know is there an underlying rationale for its use and exploring of an option and but again that's uh, either a um, email or a phone call I mean I I'm open to discussing about what we do with anyone, Brian. The more we talk to people, the more referrals we ultimately get because people are satisfied and happy with what we do. And that's how our business has grown over 15 or 16 years. Look, it's a
0: principle I'm strongly in favour of because I think it it opens up an area, it is a bit of a can of worms. And I think anybody recognises, you know, the awards have been essentially a fantastic tool in many areas to have helped people into what were some unfair employment situations. But it, it sort of transitioned in, some areas now to basically being a restrictive practice and I think you know if you're in business after all you're trying to employ people as one of the tools to make yourself a decent living and get some assets sure. it's becoming, becoming more and more difficult to do uh, particularly after you know economic sort of ups and downs and turmoil it becomes hard so I suppose if could we talk about fast tracking this information because time suddenly is the essence here with these looming dates probably by the time a lot of people listen to this the dates will be historic but nevertheless it doesn't mean it's too late to to, to attend to these things so how can they find out more about your business Contract Right and you know will it work for me that sort of question what's the best avenue for people from here
1: okay well we can do a number of things first of all you know I'm available via email and it's pretty simple Neil at Contract Right Contract as in C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T Right R-I-G-H-T dot com dot au in the first instance if someone is um, interested uh, we can provide information reading material Um, which essentially is designed to either pick interest, get them interested, or allow them to make an objective decision that maybe it's not for them. They can uh, email me and say, well, look, hey, listen, we're really interested. Let's have a discussion so we can follow that up, get a broad-based outline. Look, we're open to any number of forms of um, communication and exchange of information, Brian. Um, Our website is www.contractright.com.au. We're pretty easy to uh, get simple, isn't it? with. So uh, it's just a question of um, if that person wants to know more, we'll get in touch. All right. So.
0: Well, it's excellent. Look, I'll certainly pass this on to everybody, and it's going to be express posted to some of our, our closer customers and so forth. So I suppose my mind's full of all sorts of more things, but, you know, time is the essence. So We need to keep sure. this bridge so that people can take a grab while they're in the car or whatever it might be, you've got their headphones on. Sure. Anything, anything of essence that we've overlooked that you feel just needs to be raised quickly before we bid our dues for the day?
1: Um, Brian, look, let let me say that what we do is very interesting. Unfortunately, it's not that well known. And many businesses seem to think there is only one way of doing business. It's the way they do business. Um, Flexibility, productivity are two of the keys that we've found of recent times particularly important to um, many businesses. And that can be businesses of all different sizes. And uh, like you said earlier um, there's interest in um, the franchise network you know many of those franchises need to grow through employment so yeah we're open to any form of um, discussion at all be it at franchisee or franchise or level um, okay.
0: oh, well I really appreciate that Neil tremendous to get an insight from you of what is a very creative and innovative solution which i I love the fact you emphasize you know that it it, it is one that's fair and reasonable and, and ethical that's important to understand so let's leave it there and I'd, I'd just like to say to everybody i hope you've enjoyed this and uh and i challenge you to to rewind and listen to it again because i'm sure there's bits we've missed there there's lots of gold in it so neil thanks very much again for joining us i look forward to probably down the track not too far talking again because i'm sure there's with the with the changes that are evolving all the time particularly in australia but i think it's a common thing around the world um you know you need to keep your head on top of these these different things so neil thanks very much for joining us really appreciated the chat and uh, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure. And I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Um, and by all means, um, anytime in the future, I'm always happy to have a, a discussion with you. Thank you. All the best.
0: Great. Yeah, look, it's all part of our mission, really, to try and keep people informed about change, up circumstances and improvements that they can make to their business, their lifestyle and overall the overall economy. So thanks very much, everyone. I look forward to chatting to you when we have our next franchise radio show. Thanks, Brian. Bye.